The Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast is proudly sponsored by New Vision. My team, Kanda, power. I love the power. power, power. I love the power. power, power. Welcome to the Port Adelaide preview podcast for round five versus Carlton. It's going to be played on Friday night at Adelaide Oval. I'm Portia, and joining me, as is regularly the case, is Macca. Macca, how are you tonight? Mate, good to be here again. I'm very, very well. And I've got to say, I can't wait for tomorrow night uh, just to find out in what inventive way we've managed to lose to Carlton this time. Oh, come on. Surely we couldn't lose again. I mean, we're reaching the point where... We're reaching the point where we might not even let them get their goals up in the last quarter, you know? I think that the players might have taken these last uh, couple of matches personally. What do you think? Never lose hope, Porsche. We can always lose in dramatic fashion. Well, okay, we'll get into that a bit later on. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I guess we'll go to the hot topics. Um, one of them it's a hot topic, which I just don't understand why it is. Uh, it's hardly going to be the only case in the world. Uh, is this uh, photograph of a guy wearing a Port Guernsey and wearing a Nazi armband in addition to that and riding a bicycle, uh, which has somehow seen flak thrown at Port Adelaide fans and not bicycle riders. Mm. (laughs) What's that all about? Can you even think of why that might be a a media thing this week? What's that all about? Well, clearly all Port Adelaide supporters are Nazis, racists and rapists. Like, it's just as simple as that, really. I mean, there's there's no other way to describe it. And... um, about time our uh, Nazi heritage uh, came out into the open. Yeah, and bicyclists as well. And really. bicyclists, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's a big crossover that's, there. That's, that's the worst of the bunch, I think. <laughs> well, I mean, from an Adelaide perspective, it probably is uh, <laughs> the way you hear people complaining about cyclists in Adelaide. Um, Honestly, what a pointless, <laughs> like, is there really not that, that little going on in Australia this week that that is a news article? Come on, have you seen have you seen TV? Have you seen TV? Mm. They're reporting memes as news these days. Yeah. <laughs> so it's not it's, really it's amazing. It's not really shocking. It's, uh, yeah. Good on him. Uh, what a what a what a dickhead! But hopefully you know. we do better this weekend than the than the Nazis did in the war. So, <laughs> you know. oh, sad. All right. Well, look, we'll move on. Um, next one I want to bring up, which is the fact that. People in the media and other players seem to be talking about how it's unfair that Ty Vickery is being mocked online for being a free agent, getting top dollar to go to Car- to Hawthorne, and then not doing anything. Mm. Um, that seems like fair game to me. I mean, it's entirely about his football performance, right? Like, if you can't have a bit of fun about a player's football performance, then there's really no room for any comment on football at all. Well, look, Cochin <laughs> and, uh, and Matty Richardson are obviously would be mates with him. Like they, they would have played yeah. with him. They know him personally. So I think it's obviously fair that they sort of stick up for him a bit. But, you know, he's on, what, 500 grand a year? He's, yeah. he's been offered yeah. to, to go to Hawthorne and he's currently ad- averaging about eight touches a game or something. So, look, he's he's struggling at the moment, but um, you never know. It might prove to be a, a decent pickup in the future, but uh, he does need to pull his finger out. But, yeah, look, I think it's pretty fair the criticism of him so far, and look, he got plenty of criticism at Richmond as well, and you know he probably deserves it. Yeah, and I mean it's not as though he's being targeted on the basis of race or any other group or any even his you know not he's not harassing his partner, they're not uh, talking about his home life or anything else. Like they're not doing like they did with Dustin Martin's dad and carrying on about that. Um, it's purely about his football ability. 
and his perform more importantly his football performance this year like that's it's really confined specifically to the area that fans are supposed to be confined to and then to complain about that just seems really I'm not saying it's him leading the complaining but the fact that players are saying oh this is too much like come on guys where were you guys when Impey was getting caricatures drawn of him in the paper on the weekend over the off season because he had a ding in his car um you know where were they then yeah. what was uh, yeah I, I don't get it I don't get I it I don't get it either but um, that's the media, isn't it? They're a strange well, beast. I suppose it is. Anyway, I've got one late addition to the Hot Topics, which is just Ooh. me being paranoid. I've got Port Adelaide paranoia, uh, which is the Outer Harbour and Grange trains being down for our Friday night match. Now, I want to know, like, is there some big deal going on between the SMA and Port Adelaide this year where if Port Adelaide has poor crowds, it's better for the SMA? Because, like, if you wanted to target Port Adelaide fans at a football game for a Friday night match, you'd close down the Outer Harbour and Grange Lines, right? I mean, that'd be exactly what you do. Is this is this a deliberate scheduling thing? We've already had the the footbridge closed, and we've already had the the march from the mall moved to starting at a random bit of grass next to traffic at the top <laughs> of North Terrace. You know, like, yeah. what's going on? Are they trying to kill Port Adelaide this year for some reason? I, it, it, it's I South they're Australia. They're trying to kill Port Adelaide every year for some reason. So I know, but it's a coordinated their, their new way of yeah. trying to do it. <laughs> I That's think next home game they're going to actually lock the gates and no one's going to be able to get in. So. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, you, you could say that they might threaten the idea of selling alcohol inside the stadium, but of course the SNFL will get some huh. money from that, so they won't do anything about that, will they? <laughs> yeah. uh, all right, well, look, we'll get into the podcast proper if you haven't got anything else to add, uh, which I guess we'll start off talking about Carlton's recent form. We've um, just got the... one question Ooh. from the forum, which ooh, ooh, ooh. might be a fair one. Uh, Craig Jones has asked, what the hell is up with our emergency selections this week? Archie has a bad week and gets selected as an emergency. What the hell? Yeah. And what did Aidan Johnson do last week? Well, nothing because he didn't play. But, right. Um, so why is he an emergency again? Don't we need... I'm like, this is... That, I don't, how I you don't re- think our emergency is <laughs> really your next best form play ready to come in or is it more sort of uh, horses for courses and making sure that you've got one of each sort of player type what what are the player types that we're representing with Brett Eddie Aidan Johnson and Brendan Archie well key forward uh, quick player and inside player oh god I wouldn't even think they were the top choices at the lower level Maybe not, but uh, I can't think of another insight. Like, if there's somebody, like, if Robbie Gray might be under a bit of an injury cloud or something, then you might think that Archie would be the best sort of uh, player that might sort of sneak in because of his inside ability, and he can sort of sneak forward and kick a goal as well. But he hasn't shown that inside ability at AFL level on any consistent basis. I mean, you Which is I'd why play... he's an emergency and he's not in the team. Yeah, but I'd have Atley immediately, you know? Why not give him a crack early on? He was already okay in the preseason. Yeah. Archie wasn't. <laughs> yeah. I, I just don't think there's any correlation between form and being an emergency. Not like it, there used to be, you know, a decade ago or, or beyond that. But uh, these days I don't really think there's any sort of link. Yeah, maybe. But then it adds to the other selection issue, which we can t- we're going to talk about later on. So let's not spoil it now. Let's, let's, let's leave a teaser and say that we're probably both baffled. Yeah. Um, <laughs> All right. Moving on, uh, Carlton. So Carlton this year, they've uh, had not a great start. Um, they've had one win, and that was against Essendon in absolutely terrible weather, which really, really, I think, really helped Carlton enormously um, because they are not clean with the ball. 
Um, and so when you have with with a game, uh, as it happened in round three, when Carlton seven goals, 15, 57 points, defeated okay. Essendon six goals, six forty two, with yeah. a literal fifteen point win, um, they haven't won a game apart from that. Um, I don't know. What, did you catch any of that game when it was on Macca? What were your thoughts about it? I watched the parts of the second half, and I thought they really dominated the midfield that game. Um, yeah. Essendon were were really quite poor. They they smashed them um, in those sort of key stats. They were plus 22 in clearances. They were plus 11 in tackles, plus 4 in uh, contested possessions as well. And they really should have won by more. They had a, a lot more of the play. They kicked 7 goals, 15. Uh, it probably suited their style of play because it really Absolutely. took um, Essendon's skill out of the game, I thought, um, and turned it into a real sort of um, dogfight a little bit. Um, mm. And that really suited, suited Carlton. So whether that's going to be a problem uh, tomorrow night, I'm not too sure. But, uh, look, they did play quite well in that game and uh, a lot better than what they did uh, the following week. Yeah, and like, like you said, it pretty much sort of suited them. They're pretty good at collect, collecting the ball. Their midfield's not too bad. Um, obviously, mm. Cripps is hard to match up on when he's going. Um, and then you've got, you know, still got Mark Murphy, still got Bryce Gibbs floating around. Um, they've got options in there, and I guess they've got a couple of new options in um, Sam Petrovsky seaton who's come in. Zach Fisher had an all right game last week in his debut, I think it was. Yep. Um, yeah, no. Uh, so, look, they've got, a, they've got a few options there. They're not terrible there. and But I do very much think that because of the quality of the forward line, I think that that probably did help them quite a bit, um, that having that wet weather factor um, impeding clean possession disposal. Uh, it was an ugly match. Uh Essendon, 71 clangers to Carlton, 55. Like, that's a huge amount of clangers for a game for Essendon there. Even 55 for Carlton's pretty high. Yeah, you'd really need to sort of check out the stats for wet weather footy and to see if that's sort of um, around the mark or not. But it it does seem unusually high, doesn't it? Absolutely. Huge. Mm. Uh, And then, of course, we get into last week uh, where Gold Coast managed to beat Carlton... Uh, not at Docklands. Oh, yeah, Docklands, wasn't it? Uh, it was, yeah. 70, 70 goals, 608, defeating Carlton to 12 goals, 1082. Uh, again, Carlton were the less accurate side. Um, 26 point loss, 23 scoring shots to 22. So it's kind of surprising that it was a win by that much. Um, yeah. Macca, have you seen any of that game at all? I did. Again, I watched uh, most of the second half, and I thought um, Carlton really sort of reverted back to type. Um, mm-hmm. you know, they, they got smashed in the middle. It was played, obviously, dry. Uh, Wits absolutely destroyed Cruiser in the ruck. Yeah. Um, and they lost the clearances by 11, the contested possessions by 13 against a pretty meek sort of Gold Coast outfit. So, um, yeah, I, I would assume that... Um, look, there are a bunch of tries at the mo- at the moment, Carlton. Yeah, they've got nine players that have played less than 12 games. It's an exceptionally young outfit. They're going to have good, good games and they're going to have some pretty bad ones as well. And hopefully this week uh, they put in a pretty bad performance. Yeah, well, I mean, I think the real thing you can take away from Carlton is that how dependent they are on midfield dominance, because it's really all forward in the midfield for them. Yeah, yeah. For, forward and back, they're not all that great. Uh, and with uh, uh, Cruiser out this week, um, and Paddy Ryder back in, uh, and the fact that our midfielders like, yeah, okay, um, Cripps is pretty big, but apart from that, there's not really any giants in that midfield. Uh, we should be able to match them with contested ball, you think? Uh, and with first touch of the ball from the ruck contest as well, so uh, I would be bitterly disappointed if their midfield gets on top of us this time round because 
Look, it is that is definitely by far their best part of the ground. They've got yep. that's where all their experience is really in the midfield. Mm. Um, mm. But ours should still have more talent. They've got more height, more strength, more skill. They should really do the job. Absolutely. Um, and just looking at a couple of trends for Carlton so far this year, uh, only the one win, obviously. They're inaccurate in front of goal. They've kicked 42 goals, 40 for the year, which does include rush behinds, admittedly. Um, for reference, we think Port's not been great, and we kicked 62-47 so far, so it's um, that 42-40 is quite inaccurate. Um, this is their first game outside of Melbourne for the year. Uh, well, maybe in the preseason, I don't know about that. Uh, they've lost the first quarter every game so far, uh, even yeah. the one they won. Yep. Uh, so they're obviously slow starters, and away from home being a slow starter is punishable by death, pretty much. Mm. Um, and uh, look, I don't think they're a particularly good rebounding side. Um, when the ball goes forward, I don't think they're really great at getting it back out again. So if we no, again, dominate... they, they do struggle with their ball movement out of the defensive mm. 50, I think. Um, Plowman's got a fair bit of talent, but he can be pretty uh, wayward with his kicking and decision-making. Uh, Marchbank's really, really good. Uh, Doherty's probably their best defender. Kate Simpson still plays back there as well. But outside yeah, of that, it's, it's still a pretty young sort of outfit, and they're still trying to probably learn AFL footy in their game plan, I guess. Yeah, and so if we can get on top in midfield, um, we, obviously, we obviously have got some quality forwards. Even if they're not playing brilliantly together, they are individually quite good uh, at what they do. Uh, and so, really, you would think we would be able to punish them this week. Uh, so, uh, I guess we should, unless you've got something else to say about Carlton, I guess we can move on to the selections this week. Which uh, uh, We'll talk a bit more about Carlton later, for sure. But, uh, yeah, yes, selections. Bring it on. Yeah, so heaps of changes this week. Baffling, truly baffling. Uh, the out, Matt White's out, and Paddy Ryder's in. And that's Is it all the changes. Baffling? It's baffling that you'd bring... Ma- Look, this sort of closes a loop. Where last week we were saying, why would you bring Matt White in? Wouldn't you want him to get some match fitness and bring him next week? And, of course, the coaches have done the exact opposite. <laughs> they brought him in when he had had no match fitness, played him, he was shit, and he's had a bit of chance to get maybe get up to speed, maybe test his body out and see if he's able to cope with AFL football again. They dropped him. <laughs> so yeah. what, what was he bringing in? What was he adding last week that <clears throat> he was coming? He was so urgent to rush him back in for one game? What, what was he adding? Midfield run. <laughs> and speed and did the we really uh, have no potential to carry the ball. Well, like, we probably did have other options to do that, but against a, a, a huge GWS midfield, which, is again, is their best part of their team, um, I think they wanted an experienced midfielder out there who can uh, add to the midfield rotations um, and just sort of try and run as hard as possible. And He did that for that one week, and look, someone's got to fall back out of the side for uh, Paddy Ryder and... I guess Matty White was probably the least effective player out there, really, last week. Um, I guess it would probably be between him and Sam Gray, and uh, yeah, I don't know. Flip a coin for that one, I think. Well, I mean, I I guess the other question for me is that you've talked about how the emergencies are listed by type, and Aidan Johnson is a quick one. So here we had Aidan Johnson named as emergency last week. He's named as emergency again this week. So somehow Mm. Matt White leapfrogged him for a week and then dropped behind him again. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I don't, I don't get it. And why wouldn't you debut Aiden Johnson and against Carlton? You know, it's not debuting against the pre- the future premiers or anything like that. It's Carlton. They're already one and three. Mm. Well, if you if you're going to have him named as emergency all these times, why would this not be the game you bring him in and give him a go? Yeah, you probably would. Uh, <laughs> I wouldn't mind uh, seeing him in action and uh, seeing what he can do. I think he's still probably a bit too raw for AFL footy um, as it is right now, but. Uh, 
Yeah, I assume he will be uh, the emergency that does play in the SA NFL this weekend. Yeah, probably. Uh, and rider back. Uh, yeah, it's good. If he hadn't, if he hadn't been out, we might have been a bit happier this week. Mm. <laughs> but he should come in, and he'll obviously be assuming nothing goes wrong. He'll be pretty influential in that contest, particularly with Kreutzer out for Carlton. Um, so yeah, Kreutzer and Dale Thomas are both out with soreness, whatever that means. Um, I wonder if the match was in Melbourne, if they would be quite a sore, but that's okay. Uh, and incoming is Andrew Phillips, obviously as a replacement uh, in Ruck, and Cameron Paulson for his first game. He's a small forward. Cam Paulson. Um, yeah, look, he's, yeah. Um, he's got a lot of talent, and uh, he had a really good game um, for the Blues reserves team uh, last week, I think it was. He picked up 27 touches and, um, yeah, just sort of ran him up on the wing. So I guess that's where he'll be playing. Look, it's really... You know, we did a lot of work um, on the draft last year, and mm. it's almost like a bit of a dream because <laughs> we're going to be seeing about four or five of those players <laughs> for Carlton this week, um, mm. which will be interesting. So I'm quite looking forward to that as well. I'm looking, I'm looking, really looking forward to seeing what Tom Williamson can do down back. Harrison McCready, I reckon, will get the job on Westoff, so that'll be a, a pretty mm. interesting matchup as well. And obviously, Petrovsky Seaton has the potential to be the best player in this whole draft, so. Uh, to see him in action live for the first time, um, I'm pretty excited about that. Yeah, look, I mean, I, I'm interested to see how the other guys go. Obviously, Harris McCready, absolutely, because we sort of had mixed mixed opinions on his ability to come into the AFL last year, I think. Like, we yeah. both thought he had the potential, but we thought he was a long way off. But I guess yeah. starting at Carlton and getting your experience in a side that is still, you know, very much building, it's probably an ideal situation for him to learn the game and get those skills to a suitable level for when it actually matters. Um, but for me, Zach Fish is the exciting one. Um, he was drafted surprise. I, I still think he was drafted surprisingly late. I, I think that he showed enough at WA um, to say I'm going to be an exciting player that's going to give all I can. And look, he's he started doing that already. Um, good on him. Yeah. Uh, and it's interesting just recalling from the draft uh, discussion last year how Mish has an aversion to WA midfielders because they usually don't seem to be as good as uh, they're rated. Yeah. Um, SPP so far, and uh, if you add Zach Fisher, if he continues his vein of form, you've got to think maybe that needs a reconsideration, re- reconsidering Mish. Um, it's, yeah, interesting to see. Interesting. Yeah, look, Petrovsky Seaton's Probably done an all right job so far. I mean, he came, yeah. he played round one without even a preseason, I think. So okay. they clearly rate him quite highly. He hasn't he hasn't really got a lot of the ball so far. I think he's averaging around about eleven or twelve touches a game. But um, he's just so smooth with the ball. He's going to be an absolute mm. superstar. Look, Zach Fisher getting his go pretty early on as well. Uh, he's probably the lightest player in the AFL. I think he's only yeah. about sixty-seven kilos or something. So. Um, but look, he played pretty well last week as well. So, yeah, good on him. Yeah, uh, Petrovsky's seat, and I think that he's a player that he'll he'll settle into an established midfield a lot better than he will in this current one, um, yep. which it's all, it's all we've already said it's the best part of Carlton on the ground, but he's got to claim a place in it and I suppose claim a role in it as well. So it'll be interesting to see how he goes. Um, hopefully this isn't the week when he finds his spot. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. That's it. All right, now look. Well, I guess we'll look at the round of ground matchups uh, to some extent. Uh, the first one's really quick. Rucks, Paddy should smash it, really, shouldn't he? Um, you would think so. Look, Phillips is quite tall, and he is a bit of a leaper as well. So he might be yeah. able to do a pretty decent job negating Paddy's leap and his reach. Um, mm. Around the ground, I would hope that uh, Ryder's got him. Uh, yeah. But Phillips isn't a, isn't a too bad ruck. I, I do like Andrew Phillips. 
Yeah, well, I mean, let's let's be honest. Um, the only game Carlton's won this year is one where they kicked seven goals, so centre bounce mm. probably isn't going to be a big factor. Yeah. Um, and it is going to be mostly about the round of ground rucking, so I don't think we'll lose much there. I will have uh, to say, I do have to say that uh, I am pretty happy that Cruz is not playing because uh, he usually mm. does um, play pretty well against Port Adelaide. Well, yeah, I mean, he's just got everything you need in AFL Ruckman. You know, he's got the genuine height. He can leap a bit. He's not superb, but he's pretty good. He can do enough to fend off. Yeah. Uh, he's got good ball sense. He's uh, pretty decent around the ground when he has to get involved in play, unlike certain other players who are in the SNFL. Um, yeah, he's got a bit of everything. So yeah. I agree. It's really good that he's out for us. Not good for him, obviously, but that's no. okay. That's fine by us. Yeah. Now, midfield, um, really Patrick Cripps for me is still the main one to watch just because he's got that size mm. and that contested ability um, and he's in a pretty decent vein of form this year. Uh, what are your thoughts on Patrick Cripps? Do you think he is the main midfielder we need to watch out for or have you got someone else in mind? Look, there's probably a couple, to be honest. There, there's really two. Look, Cripps, uh, he's played two games against Port Adelaide and he's picked up the three Brownlow votes both times. So it's fair to say he loves playing against Port. He's, he's averaged uh, 30 touches, 10 tackles, and 8 clearances a game against us. So he's one that we really need to stop. Um, and we've had trouble with uh, toll mids for quite a few years now, as we've spoken about yeah. a number of times. And So he's one that we really need to sort of stop getting the ball out to their runners. Uh, he probably hasn't... He's been a little bit slow to start this season compared to last year. Um, so hopefully we can sort of keep that trend going and he doesn't sort of uh, come out with a breakout sort of 35-touch game this week uh, to kick his uh, season into gear. The other one that um, really we absolutely have to look at is Mark Murphy because he's turned back the yeah. clock a fair bit this year and he's just about in career-best form to start the season. He's averaging, 30, well, he's averaging 31 touches and seven tackles a game. Yeah, uh, so he's been their clear best player so far this year, and traditionally he plays exceptionally well against Port Adelaide. He's uh, picked up sixteen Brownlow votes against us. Um, the next best is ten, um, so we're far and away his favourite opponent as well. <laughs> Great. Um, I just kind of wonder if part of the Crips form is that they're t- people are targeting him. You know, that, that's what you do, isn't it? If you're going up against Carlton, you target Crips. If you're going up against the Western Bulldogs, you target Bontempelli as much as you can, pretty much. I would have thought. Yeah. Um, I think that Gibson Murphy, uh, Gibbs is still doing okay. He's still decent. Um, Gibbs is another pain in the ass because yeah. he's uh, picked up big numbers against us in recent years as well. He picked yeah. up, I think, 30 touches and a goal last year and was just about uh, either best on ground or second best on ground uh, through that sort of period where they were um, coming back against us and, and winning the game. Uh, again, and again, he's really started the season in pretty good form and, and he's getting a lot of the footy. So... You know that when he gets a lot on the outside, um, they're going to go pretty well because he does uh, have very good bowl use. Do you think the danger then is that we become too Crips-centric? Well, I hope we don't. As I said, I I hope we put a lot of time into Murphy, uh, probably Mm. first and foremost, uh, because he's got that sort of inside-outside ability. Um, And then maybe we have someone like Wines go head-to-head against Crips. Yeah, uh, Because you know that Wines is in ripping form so far this season as well. And um, hopefully he can sort of uh, put Crips on the back foot a little bit. Yeah, I mean, he gives up a, a few centimetres in height, but he's right up there in terms of strength um, and yep. body mass, so he's not going to be shoved off the ball, which is nice. No. Uh, it might, work, in fact, work the other way. Um, we've talked already a little bit about uh, Fisher and Petrescu seaton as ins in their midfield uh, as second tier. Um, I, look, I kind of... That's good and bad. Like, we've seen a bit of them with the draft coverage, but it also means that 
maybe their secondary mids were never all that great and they're playing two rookie mids straight away uh, in that kind of role. Um, I don't know. Do you think but, there but is much behind? They probably need it because look, their first midfield is very, very good. Obviously, Murphy, Gibbs, yeah. Cripps is a pretty decent first uh, string midfield. Oh, yeah. And you've got guys like Matty Wright coming through after that. Yeah. And then it really sort of slows down. I mean, Sam Kerridge is probably one that uh, has been a bit of a surprise. He's only played the one game, didn't really get a touch, and has been left out since then. He had a really good year last year. Mm. Um, so he's probably one that they might be a little bit disappointed in. I'm not sure what happened in the preseason there, but um, I would have thought that he would have been uh, someone that would have kicked on as a, a second tier, pushing into that sort of first tier uh, midfield option. Yeah, look, um, that's a fair call. Uh I think that our second-tier mids probably good enough to match them, I would have thought, or beat them, really. should beat them, realistically. Um, well, who were we talking about? Kind of like well, Avon, Impey, I'm talk- I'm t- Yeah, I'm talking about uh, Sam Gray. If he ends up in midfield a little bit, maybe. That'd be nice yeah. if he wasn't in the forward line. Um, yeah, those are the guys, pretty much. I think that they're okay. I, I think, think that if we're talking about them... the job done over Carlton's second tier. You'd hope so. I would you'd hope really, so. You would really hope so. <laughs> As I said at the start, never say never, but uh, yeah. you would hope yeah, so. Yeah, yeah. Oh, dear. And uh, look, I guess we'll move on to the forward line if there's nothing else to talk about in the midfield, which is, I guess this is why you, um, Whitering was a fullback that went number one in the draft, is that now he's playing forward. Um, mm. I, how, who was the last fullback that regularly played forward? It probably was Stephen Silvani from Recollection. Um, or Lynch. Or Lynch. Alistair Lynch, maybe? Yeah, yeah. So we're talking 10-plus years ago. Uh, Harry Taylor? Oh, really? I don't think he was... No, I wouldn't count him. Trying Mm. to think of who else, maybe. It's got to be like... They've got to be like a class fullback that can also play forward. Yeah. Yeah, It's been a while, I would say. Yeah, it's been a while. Yeah, definitely. Ben Reid's probably one that... um, I think he was all Australian down back, wasn't he? And then sort of went back forward again. That's fair. I mean, the reverse is a bit more common, but uh, yeah. It is, yeah. And yeah, Whitering, look, he's doing all right, you know. Uh, he needs to do all right for it to work because Carlton's forwards are really non-existent. Uh, and I guess oh, we'll look, talk they, about they've that now. Got, yeah, look, they've, in, in three or four years' time, I think that's going to be a pretty mean forward line because... Oh, yeah, what, time. Jack Silvani's got a lot of talent um, as that yeah. sort of uh, third tall forward, I would think. Um, Charlie Kerno could be anything. He's a very explosive play if he um, pulls his finger out and uh, reaches his talent. They've still got Harry Mackay as well, who's a 270 oh, yeah. well, key forward. He's nowhere near it, but yeah. He's probably going to um, play a fair few games this year if he gets his body right, you would think. Yeah. yeah. Um, look, Weedering, as we've seen, has uh, done okay up forward. He's probably still suited down back, but um, oh, yeah, definitely. sort of like a makeshift role, he's, uh, he's doing all right. Yeah, well, look, I mean, I guess our enemy is probably Casbolt for me. Like, he's the, Casbolt is just the name that is just burning my memory as a guy that I just hate it whenever he gets the ball because it's always at a time that kills our momentum. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's that sort of player. Uh, I yeah, think he got injured yeah. pretty early on last year, like in the first three minutes or something. Yeah, but as a rule. We were all pretty happy about that until we still lost the game. But uh, yeah. <laughs> he has actually started the year in decent form, which is uh, yes. pretty all right for him. He's kicked five goals uh, so far this year and averaging six marks a game. He's... Certainly not the best forward going around, uh, but he is a very, very good contested mark. Um, yeah, he might cause us some issues with his height. Yeah, um, and just on Jack Silvani, look, he kicked three goals, I think, last week. But if you look at the goals, like they're all going up against a Port Adelaide that we've already criticised as being a bit defence-heavy. I just don't see them being goals that we'd let through. 
Um, yeah. They're all very much low coming into the goal square. Very, they would have been primed for an intercept, basically, um, if there had been anyone loose in the back line. And you know, as we said, we have we like a loose guy in the back line. So I, I just I'd like to see Houston go up against Silvani. I think that's a pretty fair matchup for him. And um, oh, yeah? I think yeah. he'd be able to do the job there. Yeah, interesting to consider. Would you consider up against Casbolt, maybe? Uh, if he plays in front. Not sure. I, I think... I would think Cleary will take Casbolt and uh, Jonas will probably take Wiedering. Oh, you reckon? Then I would see uh, probably see Brody take Kerno because uh, he's got the yeah. pace to go with him. And uh, Houston on um, Silvani. Do you maybe oppose? I'm just. Do you maybe oppose Hartlock to Silvani because I don't think that Silvani is going to be the guy providing forward pressure. Uh, possibly, but I think that would play to their advantage a bit more because Jack Silvani is going to be playing pretty deep, um, and that might pull Hartlett out of the play a little bit more. Uh, I think, look, honestly, if the game goes like I'm expecting it to, I think that Hartlett will not be in the play as much because I just don't see the ball getting down that end all that much. And if it does, he'll probably be in space anyway. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. I'd be keen Can to I... see Hartlett play lo- completely loose without yeah. an opponent this week because he'll pick okay. up 35 yeah. touches and dominate, yeah, that's fair. I would think. Let's, let's do that. Let's, okay, let's, let's just call the selection panel now and tell him to do that. I think I agree. I think so. That's a good, yeah. good call. Lock it in. Lock it in. Um, yeah, but on the whole, I think that unlike last week, uh, it's a hugely different scenario. We've definitely got the height to match the defenders, to match the, the forwards that we're going up against this week. So there's no obvious, if our team defence fails, there are no really obvious one-on-one uh, contests that we'll consistently lose. So that's nice. That's nice for us mm. um, compared to last week. Um, the uh, defence for Carlton, uh, well, I don't know. I don't know. What do you think about it, Maka? Do you think they can match us? I'm not convinced they can at all. No, I don't think so. I would assume Sam Rowe will go to Dixon. Rowe's a decent sort of defender. Um, yeah. Marchbank will probably get the job on uh, Trengove, you would think. And I've already already said that I think McCready might get the job on Westhoff. Uh, just yeah. to sort of uh, teach him a thing or two and, and show him... Um, that sort of player that can sort of roam the ground a fair bit and all that sort of stuff. The same sort of player he is, yeah. Pretty much exactly the same sort of player. Um, I don't think they've got the small defenders that can go with our small forwards, though. Because I'm I'm really expecting big games from Robbie, Chad and uh, and Youngie this week, to be honest. I, I really hope they kick, you know, 10, 12 goals between them. Yeah, look, I mean, if we're getting, you know, if, if we're even breaking even in midfield and can afford to play Robbie Grant forward, then we should win the game, realistically. Um, yeah. If we if we can break even with Robbie Gray out forward, then we're fine. Uh, I don't see how we could possibly lose that, particularly with the other options we've got available there. You know, um, Chad Wingard is a guy that he's not had the greatest year, but against this defence, I'd expect him to kick at least three. Quite frankly, yeah, it'll be interesting to see who they put on him. Maybe they'll put someone like Ed Kerno on him. Yeah, Quite maybe. Possible. I would expect someone like Simon White to go to Robbie. Um, and Youngie, I'm not sure they've got a, a real sort of uh, prime matchup there. Maybe Lockie Plowman, I'm not too sure, but uh, they might also try Plowman on Wingard uh, just to try because he can play that sort of third man up role pretty well, Plowman. Uh, so yeah, they might fair. try and sort of see if they can beat Wingard in that fashion instead. Hmm. Now that's pretty fair. Yeah. All right. Well, look. Um, just get on to the game in general. Uh, first question, Coach: Should we be concerned about Brendan Bolton? 
I don't think this is going to be one in the coach's box <laughs> this week. Uh, the only way that we lose this is um, if we mentally stuff it up again. I think it can be lost in the coach's box, but yeah, I generally agree. Um, we've already, if you listen to the media at all from uh, Bolton, uh, he's already making excuses. The one you already mentioned earlier, I think about what nine players have played less than twelve games, eight players under twenty-one. Yep. There's what three or four or five draftees from last year in the side. Uh, the, the excuses are all out, and honestly, I, I don't think he's expect. I don't, I don't think there's pressure on him to win. They had a nice start from nowhere last year. Um, this is a, and he's building a side. He knows he's building a side. So if they get a win away, that's great. And if they don't, then. He's not, his head's not on the block, uh, and none of the players are either. So mm. maybe that, maybe that kind of kills their motivation a little bit as well. Who knows? Possible. Yeah. Um, and then, does the other side have the psychological advantage? I would hope Port do because we're You'd in a pretty so. decent form, and we've got a very experienced lineup out there compared to their um, lineup of kids. Uh, so I would, <laughs> I would really hope we've got a fair bit of um, confidence and psychological advantage going there. Yeah, like for me, I think that obviously it's a home. Obviously, it's Carlton's first game started in Melbourne. Obviously, blah blah blah. They won three. Uh, yada, yada. Um, but more than anything, like last year, in every mediocre Port Adelaide season, there's a game when the fans just have had it. Mm. And I think that the Port Carlton game last year was absolutely that point. Like they're already a bit pissed, and then we lost to Carlton. It's like, yeah, nah, everyone's really pissed off now. Um, and I think the players tune into that, clearly. Uh, and I think this might be one of those games where we have a psychological advantage to not just win, but to try and smash the shit out of them. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, don't, I think that if we get the foot down on the pedal, I don't think we're going to be lifting it off. I think we're going to be going for points, 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 uh, and try and maintain our excellent percentage, which if we have a couple of middling rounds where we lose games, that percentage might be extremely influential in maybe making us squeeze into the top four, perhaps. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah, look, I would, I would hope so. I really hope we, um, we do win this one by a lot because I, th- mm. a, I think we need to, we need to make the most of these sorts of games, um, which we haven't really done in in the past. And look, I'm really right. hoping that we sort of mirror our 2014 performance against them, which I think was also on a Friday night from memory, um, mm. where we won by what 100 and something points. So that's what I'm hoping for this week. Yeah. All right. Well, Macca, questions from Bigfooty. What you got? Questions from Big Footy. Uh, only a few this week. Uh, Sog thirty five okay. has asked: Scar Electrics or Aurora AFX? What are they? They're like slot car racing system. <laughs> Pass. <laughs> Got to go the Scar Electrics. I loved my Scar Electric set as a kid growing up. Okay. Um, I've got to say, my best mate. He had uh, he had an awesome one, which he um, he had it set up in his shed in the uh, in the shape of the Adelaide Grand Prix track. Um, and he had all the little Lego trees and Lego grandstands oh and all God, that sort of thing. Oh my God, that's so nerdy. It was, it was <laughs> ultra nerdy, but ultra cool as well. It was bloody awesome, i got to say. It was fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Oh, for a kid, absolutely. <laughs> that's really brilliant. Uh, next one. Um, yeah. You might need to get on Google for this if you don't know it, but Papagello has asked us to discuss who would win a fight between my Chinese Zodiac animal and your Chinese Zodiac animal. Well, I'll win because mine's dragon. Mine's rooster. Yeah. <laughs> no, rooster's the underdog in this one, mate. Roosters are pretty badass. Mate, roost- there's only one thing I think of with roosters, and that's North Adelaide. So I have to win. Like if I was a scummy, oh, sc- if I was a scummy toad, I'd win. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I'm stuffed. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. 
<laughs> Thanks, parents, for uh, picking the rooster for me. Good job. Yeah, that's that's terrible. That's Ugh. pretty bad. Mm. Uh, Harold Oliver has asked, chopsticks or fork, spoon with Asian food? Or the spoon? Asian... More like oh, rice or noodles? Uh, I don't know, like, not noodles. I mean, I, I don't, okay, first of all, I don't eat Asian noodle meals. I just don't see the point. Um, rice. Why is that? I, I just don't, I, 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 they just, I don't think the, if I'm going to have carby noodles, I want it to be with a sauce that sticks to it rather than, because mostly the noodle recipes, the Asian noodle recipes are fairly thin. Yep. So you're just mainly eating just carbs with a bit of spice on them. <laughs> Uh, whereas if you have like you know if you're having a spaghetti of some kind and they've got a, a nice thick tomato sauce or something like yeah okay that's good you get a bit more flavour with it at least. Um, if I'm having Asian food, I'll usually go with a more meaty dish as a rule, or more veggie yeah. dish, but less noodly. Fair enough. I'm a huge Sorry. fan of a kuai chow and a pad thai. Okay. Not so much pad thai, but it's not too bad as well. But yeah, definitely chopsticks for me. Mm-hmm. Got, got to go with the chopsticks. Honestly, this is one of the. I've got a third position, which is that um, I'm not going to give you shit whichever one you choose, which I think more people should adopt. (laughs) Well, I'm not the best user of chopsticks, but I hold my own. I think Uh, I can get the food from uh, bowl to mouth without really dropping too much. So I think uh, I think I do an all right job there. But if people want to use forks or spoons or sporks or whatever, then uh, go for your life. Yeah. I just want to relate a thought which has just come up in relation to this, which is that um, about growing older, how when I was a teenager, you know, things like could you use chopsticks was kind of a thing because, like, Japanese culture is really in with nerds and stuff. And I remember thinking, oh, it'd be so good when people get over Japanese culture. But then I just realised that all of those people that are obsessed with Japanese culture are ageing at the same rate I am, so I'll never escape them. (laughs) Fair enough. Um, yeah, enough. but no, I, I just think that's a real, real um, thing that people have. Like, oh, I can use chopsticks. Like, okay, you can. Cool. Oh, that's use good. a fork. Like, okay, that's, that's fine. <laughs> that's cool. Yeah, all good. Yeah, yeah, can you? Oh, good for yeah. you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I, I don't drive a manual car, but I don't give. I don't I've never give any shit for that. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, Christoph has asked the coriander and why. Uh, honestly, I know it's a controversial herb and I don't understand it. And I think the reason I don't understand it is because I like it. So. Is it controversial? Coriander is the bacon of the herb world. Everything tastes better with coriander in it. It is Look, awesome. I, I honestly have never considered coriander as a thing. It's just in things I like to eat. Mm. Um, but on the internet, you occasionally see things about people complaining about coriander and occasionally on food shows and whatever else. Uh, well, well, they're, they're probably the same people that ride bikes and wear Nazi symbols on their arms as well. Well, so. absolutely. Yeah. Um, I, I have much more uh, dislike for rosemary and things. That that for me is just a spoiler for any food it's with. I don't. I don't see why anyone would hate coriander. It's so fresh, tasty. It's got a little bit of spice to it. It's a beautiful herb. It is wonderful. Every food you have coriander with, I like. So, I yeah. yeah. And even if it doesn't come with it, I usually put some on anyway. So There you go. There you go. And we've got a question from the for, uh, from the Spreaker chat, which is a really Ooh. good question, actually, from Craig Jones, which is, uh, what are our thoughts on guys that are 18 or over playing in the state under 18 squads? I've heard news that one of last year's SA under-18s players has been asked to play under-18s again this year as an overage player. 
Um, I was a mixed feeling about it until I reviewed the Vic Metro and Vic Country squads this year. And when you look at the guys that are over age, they're getting a crack. Um, honestly, if you took them out, the rucks this year for Victoria would be shithouse. So it's mm. kind of better from a talent identification perspective um, if you have teams that have some balance so that, you you know, if, you, you, if you've got the team that doesn't have any underage ruckmen that are worth a damn this year, that you don't look – you can still get an idea of how good their midfielders are. Um, so, like, Brock McGregor is a guy that's getting another go as an overage player this year, I think. Yeah. Um, and that's great. Last year he probably wasn't draftable, but – you know, maybe this year he is. And Ruckman, when it's Ruckman doing it, I, I have no issue with it at all because we know they're slow developers as a rule as well. You know, and almost... it usually is uh, taller players or Absolutely. players that might have been, might have had a long term injury the year before that, that are getting yeah. a go. It's not sort of guys that sort of, uh, you know, sadly missed out or something and they're just back just because. And I think um, look, every, every state or every uh, squad is allowed to. I think overage players, so mm. uh, it doesn't really bother me that much. Um, and the part of the question, guys that are eighteen or over, uh, most of the squad is actually eighteen, I would think. Yeah. Um, or at least half of it would be eighteen by now, I would think. Uh, yeah. I think that what's the cutoff? It's um, New Year's Day, isn't it? New Year's. Yeah, Day. end of the year. Yeah, that's yeah. right. So you've got all the early birthers that um, you know. There's always a, a huge trend towards that. Yeah, so it, um, it doesn't really yeah. bother me. I mean, I, I haven't seen South Australia's squad. I've looked at their um, academy um, team, but I couldn't find any overage players in the academy, obviously. But um, it depends which player it is and what role they're going to play. And usually, from what I can remember, the overage players haven't really had much um, much game time during the championships either. Yeah, and, and look, I mean, I think that for the most part, uh, teams are using them right when they, they are having a go. Like, as I said, and, and basically they're using taller players where there maybe is a lack in some areas. That's good. Um, okay, Craig Jones has said uh, it's Jordan Sweet. What about Jordan Sweet? Oh, he's the player that's been asked to come back this year. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, it's, that's fine. Absolutely. He was pretty raw last year, so, yeah, absolutely. I, I, yeah. I see no issue with that when it's, when it's, a, when it's a Ruckman. And particularly... Because that makes all of the medfielders much much easier to identify as whether they're up to it or not. Uh, if you've got a competitive ruck situation, you know, um, look at us well, last sure. week. Like you, you don't want to. <laughs> you don't, like. I guess it's hard to be an like an under eighteen squad coach in that regard because you want to try and. Um, I guess you're trying to win the game, but you're also trying to show off your players in the best light possible mm. to get them mm. drafted as well. And if you've got, um, just by chance, this year's uh, ruck group are terrible um, and you're going to put basically your entire team at disadvantage because of it, I don't mind if you're chucking in an overage player in that situation. Yeah. And look, I mean, this is the good thing about the AFL is that, like, I don't reckon any of these um, state coaches are getting... For them, it's a pathway to maybe coaching an AFL club and I don't think any of the AFL club coaches... Uh, pick coaches on the basis of did their team win the championships? I, I don't think that any of the clubs would look at doing that at all. It's about how well they can develop players, hmm. um, and that's because that's what you know starting coaches do. They have to be development coaches. So I think that that helps put the right perspective on the the state championships as well. Um, yeah. So they yeah. Good stuff. That's all my and, questions. 
and and all of those tall overage players will probably get drafted next year. So <laughs> it's good to see will. Brock McGregor um, having oh, yeah, go look, There was another player that I really liked, uh, Judah Dundon, who's who's been <laughs> asked back to Western Jets and is playing mm. some really really good footy at the moment as well. So yeah, um, stoked for him too. Absolutely, I agree. Yes, that's, all I got. that's it. Oh, okay. That's the questions. Oh my god, that's the questions. Wow. That was less than I expected. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, look. Um, we'll get into the the final details. Uh, who's your winning side and margin, Macca? We've made a really terrible case for Carlton. Are you going to tip him? Oh, look, Carlton by six points. I think. Um, <laughs> yeah. I think they're mid. No. <laughs> <laughs> look, honestly, we should be dominating this team if. If we can't beat this team by a lot, there's problems. I'm going to say Port by 53 points. Um, highest goal kicker will be Charlie Dixon with six. Wow. Okay. Big call. Big call. Yeah. I kind of I think like if Charlie. Dixon, I think if Charlie Dixon kicks four, they'll put Widering back and on him. Back on him. So I, re- I reckon that would be his capacity. Um, okay. I'm I going to say. I would expect Dixon to beat a skinny second year player. What do you I'll mean? hope. Why? What? Why? Because Dixon's a hell of a lot stronger than than what uh, Weedering is. So oh, I think. Um, yeah. Okay. I would still expect him to be able to sort of outmark, outplay him. Yeah, I, I, I guess maybe we'll see. Mm. Um, my winning side and margin. Look, I'm gonna I'm gonna go all in. Port Adelaide by 100 points. Highest goal kicker for Port's gonna be Robbie Gray with five. Uh, right. No, it's gonna be. It's going to be Robbie Gray and Chad Wingard with five each. Um. <laughs> That'd be great. I would love a small forward uh, beatdown, to be honest. That'd be awesome. Absolutely. I think it'd be really good. Uh, fear factor, which port player should Carlton be the most concerned about? Oh, it's got to be Wingard this week, I think. Uh, I don't, mm-hmm. As I said, I don't think they've really got a natural matchup for him. Um, no, as I said, not. they might try someone like Plowman on him. Um. Maybe they'll... I don't know. I really don't know who they're going to play on him, to be honest, because they can't really sort of go the route of Doherty or Simpson, who sort of play a bit loose, because Wingard will carve them up as well. So I can only think they'll try and put someone like Plowman, maybe Marchbank on him, just to try and beat him in the air and hope they can stop his influence that way. Yeah. Uh, look, I mean, I, I, I kind of agree, because I think that Chad Wingard, like we've seen it, he's getting frustrated. Uh, he's, he's contributing still a bit, but he's getting frustrated with his inability to I suppose dominate in the way he has in the past sometimes so I guess if he does get a bit of a if he does get a bit of space this week then I think he'll be absolutely punishing um and uh, I guess for mine the fear factor look I, I think they they play they should be really concerned about uh it's got to be Robbie Gray it, it really I mean they might have theoretical matchups for him but if we can play him forward and still have winning midfield like this I don't think they've got anything they can do to realistically stop him yeah mm. yeah that's so good. yeah uh, and which Carlton player should Port be most concerned about? Clearly Mark Murphy for me. I think um, just his history with Port Adelaide all through his career has been wonderful. Um, he's arguably in career best form to start this season, so it's really all set up for a 45 disposal four-goal game against us, really. Yeah, probably. <laughs> I, I'm not going to... I'd like and to another disagree three Brownlow votes or something. I should probably agree with you, but I'm going to just say... Because he is a player that uniquely irritates me, Levi Casbolt. Because <laughs> if he, <laughs> you know, if he, he's because he, he used that momentum killer for us, in my view, um, yeah. and that will hurt us as much as anything else. So yeah. um, I'm going to name him uh, quite achiever. Who is going to put in the game of high standard that may not wear the crowds for Port Adelaide? 
for Port Adelaide. Uh, for Port Adelaide. That's a good question. Um, I will say uh, Dan Houston, who okay. will Jack Silvani goalless. Yeah, um, that's But fair. again, not many people will notice. And I'm also going to say Harrison McCready is going to be that sort of quiet achiever as well. Because I reckon only about half a percent of the crowd will actually know who he is. And yeah, uh, he's going to keep West off to uh, about <laughs> seven or eight touches, I reckon. Oh, dear. Well, I mean, Fisher did feature in a couple of highlights for Carlton, so I reckon a few of them might know who he is. Um, but, you yeah, know, that's fair call. I'm going to say Darcy Van Jones. He's been, I reckon he's probably uh, been a bit down on his form last year. Um, but I think this is the game where he can really come down and shut down a guy like, uh, hopefully, Casbolt. That'd be nice. I don't know. Mm. Maybe he's a bit too much of a marking type for him. What do you think? Yeah, I think that's fair. Mm, okay. It'd be interesting to see how that would play out. Yeah. Uh, and are there any games you're looking forward to this week, Macca? Well, the, the other uh, big question from this week, mm. the two teammates from last year, who's going to win out of SPS and SPP? Uh, well, look, I mean, I saw a thing a couple of weeks ago from SPP saying that he reckons Sam Petrovsky's Seton's going to win the Rising Star, so it'll be interesting. I don't think they'll play against each other, uh, and I'd say that with Ryder back and the fact that uh, his, uh, SPP's form line seems to coincide with Ryder playing, um, I'd have to say SPP's going to win that one, for sure. I reckon they will line up against each other for a fair bit. Uh, no way. They're yep. very different types of player. Well, they're both sort of inside midfieldery. Oh, no, no. Yes, no, I are. don't agree. Yep. Oh, well, no, I still... Look, I'm going to argue on this one because I reckon that uh, San Petrusky Seton is still not classic inside. I think he's that. I think he's the link man. I think he's the guy that maybe gets the second touch um, and gets it out in a, in, a, in a contest. But I still think the SPP is the guy that goes in first. So from that perspective, I don't see them as natural opponents, mm-hmm. quite honestly. I still think we'll see them line up against each other a fair bit at uh, stoppages around the ground. And, well, if uh, they do, then I reckon it's interesting to see how it plays out. I reckon uh, I would hope that uh, um, Power Pepper's got it, uh, but it should be an interesting battle. Yeah, it will be interesting. Um, yeah. Anyway, what I was asking you, answer my question, Mako. Are there any other games this week that you're looking forward to? Uh, let me just have a quick look and uh, and see who else is playing. Obviously, the uh, Anzac Day game is always big. That's always uh, a good game. Um, and an interesting one. Uh, not sure how that'll go this year because both teams are pretty poor. But yeah, um, there are a few other interesting games. Sydney versus GWS. Uh, can Sydney yeah, get off the mark? Mm. I reckon they might just do it. They've uh, they've brought in a lot of talent again. Uh, St Kilda Geelong. Um, that could be a game that sort of uh, the Saints sort of sneak in a win. Maybe. And Hawthorne West Coast. Uh, you would think West think Coast are favourites, but um, again, I think Hawthorne might uh, just get off the mark with that one. How much does that say that Hawthorne's playing a home game and West Coast are starting favourites in round five? That's uh, it does. Yeah, yeah, that shouldn't be happening. I would think because West Coast be... don't really sort of travel all that well usually, uh, especially uh, against big, big four teams like that. Um, yeah. I can see West Coast faltering that one and Hawthorne winning quite comfortably, to be honest. You'd have to think that, like, I don't know, I haven't haven't looked at the odds or anything, but you'd have to think that might be one of the ones where you sort of tip the home team and maybe get a little bit of sneaky money that you probably shouldn't have got. Yeah, probably. Um, For me, I think probably the the most interesting one is Fremantle versus North Melbourne in Perth. um, Yeah, that's going to be a pretty tight game, I would think. 
it'll tell us a lot about, and not only that, it'll tell us a lot about both of their seasons because obviously Freo have done it all right for a bit, like beating Melbourne the way they should, that where they did. Yeah, it's good for them coming from where they were, where they were getting smashed by Port they, a few weeks steady. ago. They've, they've, they've steady. They've steady. There's no yeah. doubt. But still crap, can, so yeah. Yeah, and it's in Perth, so you could think maybe that might help a little bit. It's hard to say. You would think um, we should start favourites with that one, and I would assume they, they would win. Um, but again, like the other two games, I mean, who would have thought that three big finalists from last year, Sydney, North, and Hawthorne, would be winless after a month? Yeah. Like, you got a, you would have got massive odds on that, but oh, huge, absolutely huge. Um, and I guess the one we haven't talked, we didn't mention. There's two we didn't mention, but the one that we maybe should have mentioned is Western Bulldogs versus Brisbane Lions at uh, Etihad. Um, it'd be interesting to see. If, this is one of those games that people think are oh, Bulldogs for sure, but it's one of those ones that, like, if it was an upset, you'd go, "Oh shit, why didn't I pick that?" <laughs> I don't know. Maybe Brisbane, maybe Brisbane can get their their game together, and but they shouldn't, but maybe they will. I don't know. I mean, it's one of those ones that I'm, I find it hard to get a handle on. Maybe I've got a, a bit too much of a bit too much of a positive view of how Brisbane are doing this year. Oh no! Look, as I said, um, I think last week when we were in this section of the podcast as well, look, Brisbane have been a lot more competitive than what I ever thought mm. they would be this year. I picked them for the spoon and thought they'd get pretty well hammered most weeks, but yeah, um, they have been a lot more uh, competitive from what I was expecting. Do I think they'll beat yeah. the dogs? No, definitely not. Oh, <laughs> uh, I don't know. I reckon they're in there. No. no, no. <laughs> well, that's, they'll at least that's be that's a definite no, I would think, for that one. Okay. But, uh, well, I'm, I'm good gonna, luck to them anyway. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say that, that Lions will at least get pretty damn close. So, Fair enough. In my view. Hmm. All right. Well, uh, look, I don't know. I reckon that's about it for the podcast. It's been a bit of a short one. There mm. you go. We've had a few requests for next week, um, oh. or for Monday. Uh, Craig Jones right. has asked us to uh, research the contract list for Port and see who Port should keep and who should drop um, mm. for next year. <laughs> and Jimmy Unchained has asked us for our draft and list strategy for the next five years. Jesus. What? <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe our listeners are giving us homework now. What's that oh, all about? Funny. Come That's on, terrible. Doris. Jesus. <laughs> Why can't you give us more food questions like, you know, basil versus oregano or something like that? Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, that's terrible. Um, We might do something at the end of the year in terms of draft and list strategy for the next few years because that's always uh, an interesting chat. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, I think we'll be in furious agreement uh, when we do discuss it, which Mm. will be... We need to concentrate on getting more tours in. We need to move the Deadwood off the list faster and not give them extra long contracts for no reason and then drop them the next week. Jake need, Jake need. Um, yeah. You know, that, that's kind of discussion. Anyway, that's fine. All good. All righty. Well, look, right. all that's left to do is be enthusiastic about Port Adelaide and say goodbye. So, Khan Port, bye. Khan, the Port Adelaide's. It's deafening at Footy Park. It's like finals footy. Oh. Trevray Marks at half board. He's lifted as well, Trevray. Five marks for him this afternoon to the goal square. Chad Corns is the man of the moment. Can't do it this time. Stewie Jew, right foot.